Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers. Uh, I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Heller. And it is it is Sunday, July 19th. And Corwin, I before we get started, just want to remind the world out there that we are, as of today, like four days away from baseball. It doesn't even feel like it. No, not even <laughs> a little bit. Like, it... I, I know there was baseball games on last night, the kind of the 18th, but like it still just doesn't feel real. Not even remotely. It it partly feels like we've had we haven't had it for so long that having it feels wrong, and it also feels like we really shouldn't have it. Why are you doing this? So it's 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 the same way I feel about um. Uh, outdoor dining at restaurants because I still haven't done it yet because I'm just like why take a risk um, but I understand that people are doing it but it doesn't feel like they should yeah I've actually done it twice now uh, just because it was you know for work and we didn't really have any other options for food um, and it like wasn't that crowded it was open like it was like something we all agreed you know okay, this isn't packed, like, we feel relatively fine eating here, like, we should be okay. But even then, it's like, I just like having a server at the table, like, you're too close, go away. It, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sold on it like one bit. This season. Exactly. Anyway, uh, so we'll, we'll, Corwin and I will put together our bold predictions for this shortened MLB season and uh, throw those at you guys next week. Um, so that we can, because uh, we really can't afford to miss too many games before making those bold predictions since uh, <laughs> there's significantly fewer games. <laughs> so we'll do that next week. We might talk a little bit about some more projections given the shortened season um, that came via Fangraphs, I think via Steamer, um, which is just a projections service. But for now, we've got a few other things to talk about that have been circulating in the sports world. And Corwin, are you ready to get started? Oh, I'm ready. So... Let's, I guess, start uh, with what's been one of the wilder stories coming out of the NFL, uh, and that's the the Washington football team and their owner, Dan Snyder. And why, he, he's always in the news. It's never good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Dan Snyder's M.O. And most recently, the, 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 the Washington team has made the news as a result of a upcoming article that details a extreme level of sexual harassment um uh, in the workplace in the front office of Washington um what's been your reaction to hearing about this man it's i mean obviously the first thought first feeling is just the pure disappointment that while Deep down, we all know that this kind of, you know, sexual harassment happens often in these kinds of workplaces, uh, especially in the NFL. And Dan Snyder, of all people, isn't someone that's surprising to me that, you know, would be kind of at the peak of this issue. Um, I'm kind of disappointed in... 
it's hard to say. Like, it's sad. I'm so happy that these 15 women have been able to, you know, reach out to Washington Post and, uh, you know, get some kind of relief from sharing their story uh, and some kind of, I don't want to say justice, but being able to see some of these assailers, you know, face repercussions, being fired. Um, I hope it doesn't just stop here because some people are disappointed with the scope of the story. Um, but I feel like it's going to be quickly pushed aside for the return of the season and other larger storylines, not even larger storylines, just easier to, to digest storylines. Uh, and I just hope that there's more to come because of this. There's there's so much to take in with this because, for one, the way the story was originally broached in the media was, oh, you guys aren't going to believe the story the Washington Post is going to release soon. Like, it's going to be wild. And they made it sound like it was going to be like, like when, when you tease it in that kind of, uh, man, you're not going to believe this kind of way, I'm expecting something like the Astros cheating scandal, you know, where there's... There's real repercussions for it, but only in a sports sense. There's no true, real-life people were actually negatively impacted in a severe way. You know, it, it's it's strictly an on-field kind of issue. And, right. you know, the Astros also, you know, some contracts I'm sure got fucked because players underperformed against them. Whatever. Doesn't matter. And it was teased like that for for this story, which is way really fucked up because this is like women getting sexually assaulted in the workplace. It's not like a cool, crazy story about the wacky uh, front office in Washington. You know, like, it's not... Like, they tease it like it was going to be a, a, like an episode of, or like a version of Animal House. Like, fun and kooky, but instead it's like, no, like, these women had to deal with terrible things. Terrible things. Don't tease it so nonchalantly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was upsetting. And... This enters in such a, such an interesting phase in what the NFL is going to do today, our favorite TV show, um, because they have to do something. And I know we say that a lot, but as of the past few months, they really have to do something. You know, they've they blackballed Colin Kaepernick because of his stance on police brutality and his, his, his non-violent expression to protest and have come, and Roger Goodell has come out and basically admitted that and said that we were wrong for it and that they want to take more positive steps and be more uh, conscious of, of, what, of what is going on in the public sphere and be more cognizant of how their actions affect uh, well, people. Mm-hmm. And it seems as though they've dropped the ball at every opportunity presented to them since then. Like they, they haven't. They're not the ones calling for Washington's name to get changed. That came from FedEx and Nike. They didn't say anything about Deshaun Jackson's anti-Semitic posts on Instagram. And here we are at another junction at which, in which the NFL has a chance. It's a layup. It's a layup. And that's the thing that's so confusing about the NFL stance on or complete silence on these types of issues 
All you have to do as Roger Goodell is come out and say, sexual harassment has no place in our NFL, and we are going to um, sanction the Redskins or um, take, take actions to get Dan Snyder away from that fucking team. Like, it's colossally fucked up. It's colossally fucked up. And once again, here the NFL is, thumb squarely up, own ass, and just eyes firmly shut, going la, 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 trying to pretend like this one. They're just going, hey, look, you know, the season starts in like two months. Isn't that crazy? And the rest of the world is like, hey, how about the fact that so many women got sexually assaulted in one front office, and now they're writing stories about it in the news because you refused to do anything. And Roger Goodell's just like, yeah, but like, aren't OTAs crazy? And it's mind-blowing. It's absolutely mind-blowing. It's something where, like, we talk about this, you know, uh, we've talked about this in the past where, uh, you know, like the NBA removed Roger Sterling when that whole scandal broke. Um, you know, they forced him to sell the team for using, you know, a derogatory slur and I forget the other details of it, but you know, it wasn't flattering to say the least. And I understand this is different because Dan Snyder wasn't directly implicated, but at the same time, being the, you know, top executive of a company in this case, the Washington Redskins, you're responsible for the actions of your employees, especially those top-level employees that serve directly under you. Um, you know, and I know in the the uh, Washington Post article, they talk about how you know, oh, we can't say specifically whether or not he was, um, you know, directly involved in all this. Um, Regardless, I just, I don't know why the NFL wouldn't be more vocal. You know, no, I just, I can answer that question, you know, why the NFL isn't being more vocal about removing Dan Snyder as owner. It's the boys club. I mean, we talk about it all the time and they don't want to remove Dan Snyder because, oh shit, we remove one owner because he does something awful and racist. Okay, well, guess what? I'm sure there's plenty of other owners that do awful racist things. Uh, or Looking at you, things. Texans owner. Um, and, you know, that could screw them down the road. And I just am annoyed that nothing really will get done. And I think this once again shows the sheer short-sightedness of these types of people. Like, mm-hmm. man, so the boys club thing is its own. And we've talked about the boys club thing on this podcast and together in general so many times and how infuriating of a concept it is as a whole. Um, but it's also just feels so incredibly short-sighted on behalf of the owners, because again, if we are to look at this in the most um, cold hearted way possible, we should you should be of the opinion as an owner that Dan Snyder is bad for your bottom line. Women in the United States make up what 51% of the population, even if you'd cut that down 
to like to an even 50 or you fuck it drop it down to 40 who gives a shit that's a colossal amount of money that can possibly be spent on your sport that likely will not be spent on your sport if your sport is aggressively anti-women and that should be a clear enough reason for you as an owner to not want to have some jackass sitting in a position of power that it controls uh, the image of your sport being a terrible human being towards a very large block of purchasing power. And again, that is the most cold-hearted view I can think of, and it still makes sense to get Dan Snyder out of there. The fact that they want him there is, or are at least dragging their feet and being wishy-washy is so mind-blowingly stupid, and that's essentially what every boys' club is in the world mm-hmm. of sports. And and it's so fucked because like they know that women will 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 spend money on them if they promote it the right way. Like uh, all the commercials they had for that. Um, I think she's a linebackers coach for the 49ers. That one woman. Yes. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yes. Like I don't she know would, her specific title, but yes. I, I, I don't either, and I, I feel bad, but I'm also not a Niners fan, and there's just too much football for your own team to keep track. Uh, but she was in commercials just being like, hey, I'm a woman in, in the NFL who coaches. And like that's a big deal. That's a huge deal. And it's great that they gave her that type of promotion. They're doing it strictly to get more women interested in football so that they can make more money off of women buying football-related things, which, again, you know, I guess you can say everybody wins. Fair enough. Uh, but if you're willing to acknowledge the fact that empowering women is good for your bottom line, then clearly you must be smart enough to assume that the opposite is also going to be true and that degrading women is therefore bad for your bottom line. And having a guy like Dan Snyder there, who's not only bad just to women, seemingly he's a terrible person across the board. You must be able to rec- you must be able to recognize that that is just bad for you as a business owner, not to mention it's also exceedingly fucked up that he gets to be as terrible of a human being as he wants because, hey, I own a team. Do you think he will sell the team before the start of the season? Oh, man, it's so hard to tell um, because as far as I can see, no one has said anything. That's in like you know that position of power that could. I haven't heard. A, I, I I think I saw one Twitter rumor that said some of the other owners are are disgruntled at Dan Snyder and want him out. I saw that a bunch. I also saw that a lot of the minority stakeholders in the the uh, Washington team have been looking to sell their 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 shares to get out of it because apparently Dan Snyder is surprise surprise a terrible person to work with, um, even as a fellow rich white man. So, um, given all the pressure that seems to be slowly mounting, I think a sale within the next year is likely, but the, ah, man, next, by the time the season starts, it's only like a month and a half. I don't know. What do you think? I, I don't think it ends up being at the start of this. I don't think it ends up being before the season starts. Um, I would assume he sells it relatively soon. I would say within a year. Um, 
but that is contingent on I guess people like still discussing it. You know, if it's something that disappears completely and we kind of all just forget it happens, which, you know, as awful as you think that would be, you know it happens all the time. Um, I could see him holding out for a few years still, maybe. It's tough. It is so tough to kind of figure out just because, you know, there's so many different ways this could go, and so many of them are just off. Um, So how much do you (laughs) think the Redskins are worth? As a franchise, uh, I would say two billion. Uh one point six. That's interesting. Wow. That's uh less than the Mets. That's wild. That is, but I feel like you know the most recent one. The most recent sale was the Panthers. That was two point two five, and it was to a guy that had more than enough money to be able to afford that. So I feel like it was, uh, you know priced up a bit 1.6 does feel low regardless just because of the history of that franchise i guess i mean it's in a pretty sizable city it's in a you know very old division um but all right hold on i've got a i've got a newer article here that says uh 3.4 billion See now that's from July thirteenth, twenty twenty. Yeah, uh, those are, and they're both from Forbes. So the first one must just be older. Uh, Goddamn! I all right. I'm gonna go to a third source. This one's from July twenty third, twenty nineteen, and it says three point one billion. So I guess three point four probably would be pretty close. All right, I can buy that. Four is the most recent that I can see. Okay, so let's go with that. Um, now, now, now our, our good pal, friend, friend of the show, Dan Snyder is, uh, is 55. So let's, let's give him, um, so let's see, hold on, 3.4 billion dollars. And let's say he lives another 40 years. So that's a, that's a cool $85 million a year if he sold the team. Now, granted, he doesn't. Own the entirety of it. Like he's the majority uh, shareholder um, and whatnot, all that. But, like, and I know this is an unreasonable thing for me to say, but how much money do you need? You know, like, like he's already worth $2.6 billion And, and, you know, they, I don't know how much of that might already count the, 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 the football team and how much of, uh, how much of the selling of the team might, might help him out. And I'm sure he's got a guy managing his money and is getting a pretty nice percent of interest on that. But like, fuck, man. Like, he clearly doesn't give a shit, right? Um, he clearly doesn't like football because he wouldn't treat the team the way he treats it. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. So like, fucking sell it. Like, I don't. Oh man, that's your thing. It seems like so many owners today, like, just are buying teams to be part of the boys' club, and that's the only appeal of it. That's essentially why Don Sterling bought his bought bought the Clippers back in the, uh, I think the eighties, because a bunch of his fellow 
million and billionaire friends were also buying sports teams, and he was like, oh, I want one. And look how that went. Yeah. I am just... I like. I want them to come out with an announcement to change the name, you know, what the name will end up being, because I'm excited for what that will be, but at the same time, I kind of want that to hold off as long as possible, just because I know it will put this to the wayside uh, to some extent. Uh, he, he's he's going to name him out for himself. You know that. He's going to name it the Washington Dan Snyders. Uh, he's gonna, and there's going to be a picture of him in that, in that stupid fucking circle where they currently have the Native American face. It's going to be Dan Snyder. Do you have a, a, an actual guess on what they will name it? Uh, I, I heard a rumor that they're going to name it the Warriors, which I think is lazy and a sad attempt at staying as close to Native American themed while not technically being Native American themed, um, which I think is also missing the point. But that's going to be my guess. Yeah, I agree. That's kind of weak. Do you have a guess? Uh, I think the Red Wolves will end up winning it. Oh, I haven't heard that one. Oh, that's. I feel like that's the biggest one that I've heard lately. Um, yeah, I think it fits well. I think it is something everyone kind of agrees with. Is all right. That's a pretty good. I'd be game. fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. All right. Well, shall we? Uh, do you have anything left to say on Dan Snyder? I'm well. There's tons to still say about Dan Snyder, yeah. but nothing constructive um, and positive. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Then let's, uh, you want to talk about someone else who made an absurd quantity of money recently? Man, let's talk about a lot of people who made an absurd quantity of money lately. Let's start with the most because, oh, man, uh, it's, it's a bunch. Uh, Patrick Mahomes recently signed an extension, uh, uh, a 10 year, $450 million extension, uh, and that's on top of the two years he had left on his remaining contract. All in all, um, he so you can effectively think of Patrick Mahomes' remaining time in Kansas City as being a 12-year, $510 million contract. Um, and that is a lot. <laughs> oh my God, that is such a crazy amount of money. Like his total contract value of four hundred and fifty million dollars, uh, is the most. Is just beats four, out Trout. Yeah, it, it's it's three hundred million dollars more than the next highest. Like it's three times as high as the next highest total value of a contract. It's un it's unbelievable. Now I'm going to ask. Two questions that are relatively similar but different. Um, do you think he is worth it? Yes. Oh my god, yeah. Follow-up question. Do you think this is a smart way to structure a contract? Um, so I have, you know, the contract years up in front of me. I definitely think this is smart uh on the chief side. I think Pat Mahomes, you know, towards the end of this contract is going to end up being a wild bargain. Um, I mean, he's 24 years old now. He's going to be a free agent when he's 36. He's locked in through his age 35 season. Um, 
and just the way salary, you know, has been going up for quarterbacks over the past couple of years. This is phenomenal for the Chiefs looking forward just because of how fucking cheap he is going to be relative to what the cap is likely going to be by 2031. You know, um, I I like that Pat Mahomes is the kind of guy that wants to stick with Kansas City, wants to get his money now, you know, lock himself in and not have to worry about it. I think this is phenomenal for both sides. I think this is the kind of deal that is equivalent to the Mike Trout deal in terms of, you know what, he gets his money, but at the same time, this is going to be wildly underpaid, uh, you know, in a couple of years. Yeah, this, this is so remarkably similar to the Mike Trout contract and feel because I think both sides truly are getting what they want here. Um, uh, uh, the the fucking Chiefs are getting Mahomes for a long time, and Mahomes is getting what is, despite the fact that these numbers are really high now, they're going to like 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 you said, they're going to seem by way of scale um, of of quarterback pay going to seem pretty. Still on the upper end, but like competitive, not like wild. Um, like at, this contract is great for Mahomes because it's never going. It's it's never going to be. I think like a true like discount for him to be there, but it's also never going to be um, through the roof of what a quarterback will be play be be paid by the time the the uh, quantities per year increase. And I think that middle ground is so perfect for this type of player, um, this team, this position. Like again, it, it's Mike. It's Mike Trout's contract. Like it's so ideal for both sides. You know, it's. I understand that people look at this and say, "Oh my God!" You know, forty-five million dollars a year. That's such a huge number. You know. A, the Chiefs aren't going to be able to afford it, and they're not going to be able to build a team around Pat Mahomes. You know what? The salary cap is so easily manipulated at this point. There's going to be ways, you know, for Brent Veach to really work his magic with those numbers and be able to create value by manipulating contracts. Um you know, the Steelers do it all the time. The Patriots do it all the time. You know, top teams, that's how they maintain value is they adjust these contracts to, you know, move money around and create space. And, you know, you saw it with the Chris Jones deal, which we'll talk about next. But I don't think the Chiefs are going to be hampered by a $45 million player the way we think it. they will be. Um, I am disappointed that we aren't going to see a contract be a percentage of cap. You know, that was something that was rumored with this, you know, in the Pat Mahomes deal for a little while. And I would have loved to see it just because of how unique and original and honestly, I think game changing it would be um, just because it honestly helps both sides a lot. And it's how um, both sides already think about it, pretty much. Exactly. And you know what? I am just hoping that the next big name free agent quarterback 
sets up their contract and structures it that way because that would be phenomenal to see. Yeah, I can't wait for Ryan Fitzpatrick's next contract either. Um, man, I I really don't have anything else to say other than it's it's so much money. Um, when when do you think we're going to see another ten year contract? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's tough because like uh, on instinct, you want to point at some of the younger quarterbacks, but none of them are who Mahomes is. Um. Fuck that kid out of LSU. What's his name? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow may maybe could, depending on how these first couple years in uh, in Cincinnati go. But that's the thing. That's the thing about Mike Trout and Patrick Mahomes. Like you have to be one A. You know, like you've got to be the guy. Um, depending on how Lamar Jackson's third year goes, since his first and second year are wildly disparate in their performance. Um, maybe he gets something like the light version of this I, I i could potentially see um right. again not maybe not necessarily this specifically but like something closer to it um but it's so tough because this type of the type of player who hits what would be anyone else's prime performance at such a young age that giving them this length of contract makes sense comes along so infrequently yeah i mean i don't need to add on to the pat mahomes reputation we all know who he is we all know exactly the kind of you know quality of player he is um but you know i i don't think until we hit the lamar jackson contract are we going to see anything close to this you know 45 million um and even then i don't think lamar he might break 40 i think he will but i don't think he touches 45 i i couldn't even i maybe maybe mookie gets something close to this um to change sports uh because he's still pretty young and this is his final year of his. Uh, he's a, he's a free agent after the season. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, fuck, man! It's it's such a unique contract to get because you have to be such a unique player to get it. It's mm-hmm. I yeah, I've got nothing else. Do you want anything else, or do you want you want to move on to the, to the the next person who got paid? Yeah, let's move on to Chris Jones. All right. Christopher, I actually don't know if that's what his full name is. Chris Jones, the another 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 guy out of Kansas City, uh, just got a, a four-year, eighty bajillion dollar contract. Um, so that makes him a, a free agent, a UFA at, in the twenty twenty-four season. That is age thirty season. Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you what do you what do you think of this guy? Um. I'm a big fan. I think this is going to end up being a bargain for them, um, even more so than the Pat Mahomes deal. I mean, Chris Jones, I think, is the best young up-and-coming. It's hard to say up-and-coming because he's had a few years in the league. He's almost through his rookie contract, but I am a huge believer in this guy. I think he has the same kind of upside as... I'm not going to say Aaron Donald, but whatever the tier would be just underneath that. Um, 
And, you know, $20 million a year moving forward, I don't think that's going to be anything crazy. You know, it's definitely the second highest AAV, you know, behind Donald. I think value-wise, that's where he should be, second behind Donald. But I think this is something that gets broken. Actually, excuse me, third behind Donald and DeForest Buckner. Um, I think this is great, again, for both sides. Yeah, man, I, I, that's all I would have to say about it. I, I feel bad I don't have more to say. Good players signed for good money. Um, yeah. 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 You know what, man? Being able to get, you know, pressures on the quarterback from a defensive tackle position is so valuable. Just as value as edge rushers. Um, and, you know, when the top guys in that department are making $25 million a year, 23 and a half, you know, whatever, it's nice to see defensive tackles with the same skill set, skill not skill set, but skill level. Um, be making similar kind of money. It, it's, it's also just, it's nice to see the prioritization of positions make sense in team contracts. Um, mm-hmm. That's what, it's one of the things that's made Kansas City so successful over these past, honestly, these past like five, se- four or five seasons, ever since Alex Smith really, really came over, is that they've done such a good job you know, th- there's been gaps in play because every team has gaps in play because rosters are enormous and no one's roster is perfect. But can- it felt like Kansas City has just done such a phenomenal job of picking, of focusing on in on their on their strengths, um, and they're just doing such a phenomenal like, like like their ability to pivot from captain checkdown to to the gunslinger Pat Mahomes shows how versatile they can be based on the pieces, the core pieces that they have with them. And that's just been a phenomenal trade of, I guess, the coaching job that they've gotten with Andy Reid. But, right. uh, yeah, it's been a treat. So, actually, talking about Chris Jones uh, made me realize that there's someone that we forgot on our list. Uh, Miles Garrett. Oh, that's right. Yeah, f- signed a five-year, $125 million contract, $25 million AAV. Um, yeah, again, this is, I don't want to say this is tremendous value because he's now essentially the highest paid defensive player in the NFL. Um, I don't know why I said essentially he is, in fact, the highest paid defensive player in the NFL. Um, it, this doesn't seem crazy. This is just what I would expect. Um, You know, 25 is a lot of money for a defensive player, but at the same time, Miles Garrett has the, you know, he has a first ballot Hall of Fame kind of of ceiling. You definitely see him approach that already. If he didn't miss most of last season, you know, I think he would have had a tremendous season, you know, approach 20 sacks if not get it. Um, and the dude's still only 24 years old. So I, I have no complaints with this. Yeah, it, it feels like a wacky contract because he missed so much time. Um, again, with the ever-growing cap, this is kind of a, a contract um, and will is certainly fair on both ends. Um, 
I have a feeling I have no true rationale as to why, um, or have no even Twitter rumors or anything to, to, to base it off of. But my gut feeling is, is this contract was issued because the Browns were like, we have to sign eventually a first round pick to a second contract because Corwin, I can't think of the last player they did. So since Joe Thomas, say 2000, no, God, what is it? Since 2011, they've had 17 first-round picks. Um, and this is the first player they've had since then that has signed a second contract with that team. Since 2011. Like, that's fucking bananas. That's fucking crazy. Yes. And I can't help but think a big reason for them putting this contract out there right now because again it feels like the contract makes all the sense in the world but the timing feels kind of weird um and i think they just wanted to have someone be on this team for a while because they've very much so struggled having one guy be on this team for a while whose name isn't joe thomas do you want to guess who the last player, last first round pick of theirs to sign a second contract with the team? Who? No guesses. All right. That's fine. Um. Yeah, I don't. I couldn't even begin to guess. Who is it? Uh, Joe Hayden. Oh my God! Wow. Yeah. Names that you have not thought of in years. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm pretty happy with how Joe Hayden's career turned out. You know, it's worked out well for my team. Um, at least recently, a lot of recency bias in that, but regardless. Um, yeah, hopefully the Browns, you know, can finally stick it together this year, get it together this year. Yeah, well, I think, I think if the Browns were successful this year, it would be the official sign of the end times. Hmm. I think that's yeah. how I would confirm in my head that like we are all going to die. I mean, it's pretty fitting for 2020. The Marlins won the World Series. The Browns won the Super Bowl. It's over, folks. We're dead. <laughs> uh, so true. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry. Probably the the final one we have on our list. Definitely the most confusing, uh, or not not at least confusing, I would say, but it is the most um, discussed and the most uh, the biggest difference between opinions. People I've seen, some people love it, think it's a bargain. Some people think it's ridiculous. Um, where are you on this? Well, we know for sure that it is four years, fifty million. Yeah. Um, with a potential out in 2022 um, for two-year $25.5 million with $6 million dead cap, which I'm not entirely sure what that breakdown means. Um, but a- anyway, it's... Um, I think it's a, an, ex- an acceptable gamble. Because... so. Pat Mahomes' contract, every contract is a gamble to an extent because, hey, that player could get hurt or just 
start sucking. And, uh, well, there goes your dollars. That's how it goes, you know? Um, fuck. So, but if we take away the existential nature of, like, hey, anything could happen, um, and look at reality, mm-hmm. the Pat Mahomes contract makes sense because Pat Mahomes' style of play should probably carry him a long time. And Derrick Henry's size and style of play is so odd in today's NFL. It feels He feels like... It, it feels like he was a running back in the 30s, and then they slapped today muscles on him um, and and threw him in today's NFL. And I have no idea how that's going to age. Like, he could end up being a 1,000-yard rusher every season until he decides to retire like, 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 like Jim Brown, or his body could break down in, like, two years, which, hey, that's when the out is. I have no fucking clue. But for a cap hit of six million this year, thirteen point five next year, and then fifteen and fifteen point five for twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three, that's like not that fucking much. That's less than ten percent of cap. And really not. Yeah. It you know like it's if you are a don't give running backs a second contract purist. Obviously, you hate this because they gave a running back a second contract, and there's nothing I could possibly say to take you out of that position. But, man, it's so low risk and so high upside, uh, like potential upside. It's just a kind of, why the fuck not, you know? Yeah, I mean, with this out after 2020, or this out at 2022, um, only the first two years of this contract are guaranteed. So the team could basically walk out and say, all right, you had 400 carries each of the last two seasons. We wore you into the ground. This is it. You're on your own. That would suck for Derrick Henry. Really smart move for the Titans. You know, AAV wise, he's like the <laughs> fifth highest paid running back in the NFL, um, which is fine. You know, I mean, Derrick Henry is going to be able to perform to some degree. He wouldn't, he's not the style of running back I personally would want to sign to my team. Um, but at the same time, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because of how much the Titans have built their offense around having him. Um, I think they are very content with only having to pay him $12.5 million. So I think it works out for both sides. But I totally get why some people would be more for or against it. I also think that the, the, the Titans are in such an interesting position that this also makes plenty of sense for them because if they end up um, either sucking to such an extreme or winning to such an extreme, they're probably going to have to revamp that team like in two years anyway. Um, right. And that allows them to then decide if they want to have Derrick Henry be a part of the a, a turnaround two years out or not and use that money elsewhere. And that also, because like Ryan Tannehill, for reference, I have his contract in front of me. He also has an out in 2023. Um, and he's either going to help them continue the weird amount of success they had last year, or they're going to fucking suck. And, and for all intents and purposes, being mediocre for two years counts as sucking. So again, the fact that there's that there's outs, the fact that there's it's it's not like it's a it's a huge commitment. It just seems so 
I would take that gamble, man. It's it's just yeah. I I based on how much that man like carried your team, I would take that gamble. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if you look at it, and if the Tannehill signing doesn't work, okay, that's fine. Um, if it does work out, Derrick Henry is still effective, and you're fine. You know, there's so many ways you could effectively utilize this, uh, both of these contracts, that I think whatever happens, Tennessee will be in a good place in three years regardless. So it isn't a huge commitment, um, despite what the, the money is. Uh so, anything left on on uh, uh, Derrick Henry, or shall we move along? I am ready to move along. All right. Well, let's continue with our final piece of NFL stuff. Um, Kenny Stills got arrested the other day. Yes, he did. <clears throat> yeah, he. Well, um, I don't know if anyone here follows the news as of the last uh, several months, but. Uh, Brianna Taylor, an uh, EMS worker in Louisville, Kentucky, got murdered in her own home or her boyfriend's home by the, the by the police, and they have not arrested those policemen. It's a whole long story. There's a lot of intricacy into it, um, and I'd rather leave that for your own research purposes. If you're not aware of the story, it's absolutely heartbreaking, um, and it's a literal crime what happened to her and it's and it's just emotionally a crime what happened to her um but i again would implore you since this is first and foremost a movies podcast and second a uh sorry sports podcast and secondly a movie podcast um, i don't really um think uh, corwin and i are well enough equipped at the moment to get into the intricacies of this discussion but kenny stills got arrested for protesting at the attorney general's house, um, which is a wild breach of a first amendment. Right. (laughs) Um, and now he's like a criminal, I guess, technically speaking. And that's just a fucking shame. Well, I don't know what the NFL is going to do about that. The prosecutor's office did choose to drop all charges against all protesters. Uh, in this case. So, we have that going for us and they chose to decide that, okay, we probably shouldn't be, this is like way bigger than as I try to compose my thoughts, basically charging 84 people with multiple felonies for protesting was not going to be something that they would be able to prosecute. And at the same time, the public relations nightmare when a NFL player is involved in all that. Um, I don't know how they could have done anything other than drop these charges. You know, you charge 84 people with felonies and they're all normal average Joes. You can get away with that because this is the, this is America. Uh, But when it's a, a rich NFL player that that's too far. You've truly crossed the line. And this once again is a beautiful opportunity for the NFL to just sink a layup and come out and say that we support Kenny Stills, uh, we support this this type of activism, 
Um, we are going to uh, talk with Kenny to see what else we can be doing in, 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 uh, to help out with the cause from his perspective as someone who's been on the ground there. And I'm sure, once again, the NFL will sit on their hands, close their eyes, and go, can you believe like there's going to be two preseason games this year? Um, because they don't give a shit. No, they do not. And this, again, would be such a fucking layup. It really would be. Like, no questions asked. This would be... I, it's going to make me sad. <laughs> it's, it's confounding. Um, but, uh, Kenny, if you're listening, we love you. And we appreciate the work you're doing. Thanks, man. You're not uh, listening, so it doesn't matter. We could say anything. Well, one day when we're big and people go through all the old podcast episodes, they're going to find this random little bit for Kenny Stills, and maybe they'll pass the word along to him. But anyway. Kenny, uh, can I call you Kenny? I feel like we're good friends. I don't think you are, but I'll let you hang on to that. Uh, shall, we, shall we pivot over to the, to the MLB? Yeah, let's pivot. All right. Um, so the MLB has decided that they are going to, in fact, use fake crowd noise. This is something Corwin and I talked, questioned as to whether or not they would do. I feel like even before it became an actual discussion point. So I say we, we called it. I say we predicted this, that it was to happen. Um, it's officially Nostradamus hour in the Juice in the Numbers podcast. Um, and, uh, but anyway. Uh, and they are. They're going to use it because I guess the idea of silent stadiums is just too awkward. Um, what, what do you think about it? Um, I thought it would have been really interesting to have it be the silent stadiums uh, or at least just have it be where you could hear the two dugouts. Um, that would have been pretty fun. I think it would have added, added a, a pretty unique twist to it. Um, where you have players mic'd out in the dugouts talking or whatever, however you could have set it up. I feel like the fake crowd noise is just not effective. I heard it a little bit last night, and it just, you know it's fake. It It's weird when you can see that there's no one in there. Um, it, I, You know what? I was not a fan of the fake crowd noise when Atlanta did it in the NFL. I'm not a fan of it now that the MLB is doing it, you know, league-wide it's it's whatever like it's of all the things to be annoyed with with how the mlb is handling this this isn't exactly very high on the list but at the same time it just seems so unnecessary uh it i have to wonder I and mean, this is a, a a thought as of right this moment. Um, is this for the players or is this for the fans? Which do you think? Which group do you think cares more? Having the players having to play in mostly silence, or the fans having to watch a game in mostly silence? Uh, I very much think this is for the players. Because uh, I don't think any of the fans would actually care. Um, I think it definitely would affect the ability of the players to focus just because it would be such a 
wildly different experience for them. Um, it's it's weird because I don't play professional baseball. I've never played in a you know stadium where crowd noise was something that you could notice. Um, I know a lot of guys have come out and said, hey, well, this really doesn't affect me all that much. You can barely tell regardless. Well, I don't know. I really, I don't know. it. If they came out and said, okay, some players were concerned about this. This is something, you know, they asked, okay, is this a possibility? Sure. Uh, I could totally get behind them doing it for the players if that was a you know genuine concern of theirs. Um, but if they were trying to do it so like the fans weren't you know weren't thrown off by this, uh, that's such a BS thing to pull. Um, I I'm gonna I'm gonna take the stance that this is for. I'll, I'll I'll rephrase my original point. I'm going to say this is for TV because I think in MLB's eyes, it would be awkward to watch on TV a player from the home team hit a home run and have no one cheer. Sure. I, I think. That. Yeah, I because I I think the players. So I've heard a few of the players from the Yankees just via beat reporters I follow for the Yankees um, saying that the the players don't like the fan noise so far, that it feels really weird because you don't see anyone in the stands and you hear people and that mm-hmm. it was awkward. Um, but again, I think it'll serve them better for like MLB making highlights later maybe where like you can like use the fake pumped in crowd noise in the background to add to the hype of someone hitting a home run or someone stealing a base or something uh, since the crowd noise will be controlled by the home team which also feels like they shouldn't let the home team control the crowd noise because the Astros just cheated using uh, surveillance and sounds last year and this seems ripe for cheating but anyway um, God, can I will, you imagine the fallout of another team cheating in a like in this manner? Like through all this, they're still trying to cheat immediately after that scandal. Imagine it was the Astros again. Oh God! Just you'd have to remove ownership. You would just oh, have God, to start yeah. fresh. God, move the whole team, man. Fuck Houston. Really? Move that bitch to Portland. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I also saw a theory um, on Twitter that I, I kind of like. I'm not sure. I'm not also not super convinced this is a viable enough reason, but I like the I like it in concept um, that it's going to be there so that you don't hear the players curse. Oh, boohoo! Yeah, like first first of all, um, all live programming is on like a five second delay yeah. to prevent people's swearings from being on the TV, um, which is the main reason I don't entirely buy it. Uh, And it also just seems like a lot of work to have such a convoluted system of pumping in crowd noise via like different preset types of crowd noise. um, And 
like think 15 different types of crowd noise based on um, what's going on to be controlled by a home team official. Uh, seems like a lot of hoops to jump through just to drown out the sound of some swearing, which doesn't go well anyway, even with, with fans in the stadium. So, uh, but it's certainly a fun idea. Yeah. Um, I'm still all aboard with the uh, let players curse, mic them up, let them have fun, no fake crowd noise, but whatever. We have baseball. We should be thankful for that. Hopefully everyone stays safe and we can have the remainder of the season. Oh, it would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be. Uh, all right, so should we talk about our final topic today? Do you have anything left to say on fake crowd noise? I do not. All right, so um, Fangraphs has its steamers projections. I'm honestly probably pr- pretty sure that these have been here for like a while. But again, baseball doesn't feel real. So um, now that it's starting to feel a little bit more real, I figured we could talk about where they have um, I'm less interested in, um, though I'm sure we'll discuss it, how these players are ranked in terms of how much war they're going to produce. And I'm more interested in how much war Steamer thinks they're going to produce. Because again, with the shortened season, the scope of, like, like the context for these numbers is so different from what they otherwise would be. Exactly. So uh, I just sent you the link. Do you have it up? I do. All right, so at the top of the list, surprise, 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 it's Mike Trout. Uh, and they have him listed here with three war in a 60-game season with him playing 51 of them, which is a fucking absurd pace. Um, I love it. Um, this is basically putting him on pace for a 162-game season, putting him on pace for about nine and a half war, which, again, seems pretty right for Mike Trout. So what do you think of that? Um, I will tell you that I opened up this page, immediately looked at home runs, saw that he was projected to hit 15 and was like, what? And then was like, right, 60 games. That's one every four games. Yep, that's <laughs> yeah. still ridiculous. Um, yeah, uh, it's so hard to contextualize this. I mean, I know we did this last year and it was either very conservative or very liberal with their projections. I want to say it was, I'm too flippy floppy with what I think it was. So I just will hold my tongue. Um, but at the same time, I hope in my heart, I know someone is going to have more than three war because someone's going to start super hot go on a tear the entirety of the season no one really has a chance to adjust um and they're just gonna have a tremendous season and i'm super excited for that uh i hope it's mike trout but if he ended up with three war that's just almost expected like that's no surprise yeah uh this i it's tough. I think we mentioned this before when they first were talking about shortened seasons. Like part of the reason war is really only determinable by large stretches of time is because it goes up and it goes down. It's like any other rate stat in that way. Batting average goes up after you have good games. It goes uh, or high hit count games as compared to plate appearances, and it goes down when you have low hit count games respect to plate appearances. Or at bats, whatever. Um, so, in theory, all someone would need to get a really high war is to avoid bad games where it goes negative. 
which in 162 games is stupid. No one's going to do that. But in 60 games, like two months, like remember, like Cody Bellinger in the first two months of last season hit like 385 or some shit. Like, yeah, it fucking could happen again, man. Like baseball's fucking weird like that. Um, like especially because seeing somebody finish with like a 1300 OPS. Yeah, I believe it. Why not? Sure. Like funky shit could go on, especially because like one of the things you always hear in the beginning of the season is like, yeah, pitcher still just gotta still just finding his rhythm, you know, like, uh, you know, spring training's only going to get you so ready, blah, 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 blah. Imagine that now you barely had spring actual spring training was months ago. Summer training is summer camp is not going to be the same. I'm I'm sure pitchers were keeping up, but like there's just still such a difference with live batting. Like I'm sure we're going to see pitchers who are usually much better than uh than this season will allow them to be are going to be bad. Like I'm I'm sure we're going to see someone who's usually very good fucking suck because they're going to have like, you know, four starts. Their first four starts are going to be like shit. Because they like, you know, you just have some starts at the beginning of the season that suck. It's every, everybody has it. And then they never recover ERA wise or whatever. And boom, their season looks bad. And I bet that's going to happen here. And all you need to do is have a, a few hitters capitalize on that shit. And then boom, boom, boom. And you got like a, like a three and a half war guy in 60 games because pitchers are struggling. I mean,. It's going to be – I'm ready for the outrageously weird things that come as a result of this season. I want to save the rest of this outlandish talk for next week when we do predictions because this is definitely going to be a wild conversation and I'm so pumped for it. But, um, oh, God, this is this is going to be so crazy. I can't wait. All right, then then I'm going to save some parts of it. Uh, uh, let me ask you this. The the most home runs Steamer expects to be hit is 16. Um, it is a tie between two players for that. It's John Carlos Stanton and Pete Alonso. If you had to pick one of those... Oh, you know what's wild, though? They have Pete Alonso hitting 16 home runs in 54 games, but they have John Carlos Stanton hitting 16 home runs in 46 games. Wow, that's hilarious. That's um, a large number. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, who do you think uh, hits more home runs this season? Giancarlo Stan or Pete Alonso? Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. No, I Not don't know. An um, I feel like it'll be Pete just because I think he's going to be – there's a, a less risk, lesser risk of getting hurt um, just because I don't know how far back Giancarlo Stan's injury history goes, but the recency bias tells me that the man – will only be healthy maybe five games a year. So I'll stick with Pete. I'll go with the polar bear. I am going to go with Giancarlo Stanton. For one, he has a longer history. I know, surprise, surprise, the Yankee fan picked the Yankee. Um, he has a longer history of hitting a lot of home runs. Pete Alonso has one season. Fuck you, Pete Alonso. Uh, but also, I'm very interested in how NL pitching is going to be this season because there's going to be a DH in the NL. And that's something that they have never had before. And usually designated hitters help and hurt pitching. It helps pitching because you have more control over how long you're in the game for or how short. Because if your batting slot's coming up and the your team needs some runs, guess what? Your day's done as a pitcher. They're going to pinch hit for you with one of the bench players. Whereas, you know... So like 
it's always been a question in my mind how many strikeouts is is like Jacob DeGrom or, or Max Scherzer missing out on because they play in the National League and got pulled like even two batters earlier than they might have otherwise been able to because their spot was coming up in the lineup and they blah, 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 blah. You get it. Um, but on the other hand, that means that you also have to pitch to a, a DH. You don't get a pitch to pitchers anymore. So um, I'm very interested in seeing how National League pitching goes. And because I think it's a little bit more variable than it usually would be because, again, of this big unknown. I'm going to give it to the American League pitcher or hitter um, who is more accustomed, even though Giancarlo Stanton's been in the American League two years, um, still more accustomed to the the pitching in it. Uh, Plus, the Mets schedule is much harder than the Yankees schedule this year uh, because the Mets have to play the AL East and the Yankees get to play (laughs) the NL East. Anyway, I'm going to be honest. I this has been such a crazy off season. I forgot about the DH rule change. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, I'm I'm going to assume Pete Alonso is probably going to end up being the Mets DH because it's first base, and they probably want Pete Alonso to be healthy for as long as he can and stick someone else at the useless position of first base. Much as Giancarlo Stanton's probably going to be the Yankees DH all season because why risk him getting hurt playing left field when he could just be your DH? So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how they deployed and Duhar play there. Exactly. Actually, he looks pretty decent as from what I've seen from uh, the summer camp games. Um, so I'm going to save... Let's save the rest of the stat stuff for next week. Uh, I do have one more baseball thing I forgot about that we didn't mention um, that I would love to hear your thoughts on. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays got yes. word yesterday that they are not allowed to go back to Canada. Yes, um, this is the exact curveball I was waiting for. Just something wild, like an entire team having to uproot their playing time because their country won't allow them to play. I so, love it. <laughs> so for anyone unaware, um, America's not doing so hot right now. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's been outside, but uh, don't. <laughs> don't go. Um, the, the virus, the coronavirus is sweeping the nation in all the worst ways. And Canada is doing significantly better than us for a myriad of reasons we won't get into. Um, but as a result of that, due to the fact that Toronto Blue Jays players have been practicing in the U.S., and given the fact that if they were to be able to play in Toronto, that means that all of the other teams that are not the Blue Jays would also be expected to go to Toronto at some point for the game and therefore risk exposure because, again, you'll have more people based in America going into Canada throughout the course of an entire short and regular season, the Canadian government decided it'd be in their best interest as a nation to just nix the idea of, of the Blue Jays coming back. So that then means that there's a high percentage chance we have the Buffalo Blue Jays this season, um, as that is where their minor league team is stationed, and it's the closest team that they have to their actual natural habitat. Um, <laughs> what make like you the phrase natural habitat <laughs> thank you I, I thought it was funny uh, what was your question what do I think of this yeah I mean this is uh, they no longer have home field advantage right yeah uh, at least to the extent that you would think of um, I can't imagine Buffalo ends up being a true home field advantage um 
Man, this is this is wild. Just because I don't like their minor league stadium. Obviously, isn't the same caliber of the stadium in Toronto. Um, but just the idea that this could seriously fuck up scheduling and logistics and you know player safety having to do this so close to the start of the season um pretty insane you know i think they're going to be able to work it out because it shouldn't be a wildly difficult issue to solve you would think and hope um but at the same time it's just it's hilarious that it's happening so close to opening day yeah yeah, a fucking like week out, less less than a week out. Uh, I uh, I wasn't expecting. I should have expected it, and I I I said this in a completely different matter this morning that to to Corwin that I really should be expecting more, um, or should be less surprised by more things. Um, but fuck, man, this is this is hilarious. This this re- funny. This. Reminds me of uh, what was it two years ago or last year when the Raiders were talking about playing every game away because they were at risk of not being allowed to play at uh, in Oakland for their final season. Remember that? Uh, I do not super well though. It was just like it was some debate over like when their agreement ended and. They, I think they had to like. I don't know if they had to get permission or if there was just talk about it, but like there was, there was a legit possibility for like a week there that 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 the Oakland Raiders would be every week away team because they just couldn't scrape together the means to have a home game and uh, ended up getting it worked out and all that. But fuck, like this is. I don't even have a real word. It's gonna be so as weird as. It's, already going to be to see baseball MLB baseball teams being play playing without any fans in the stadium we're going to have to like watch pro- MLB teams playing in a minor league stadium this year mm-hmm. oh that'll be fun it's going to be amazing see <laughs> I'm that's so ready one location I don't want them to pipe in crowd noise for sure oh, interesting Interesting. You know what would actually be a pretty cool idea, and obviously they won't do it because of stadiums generating revenue, even I'm sure even if there's no fans in the stands, I'm sure stadiums still have a reason to have the games held at their own home ballparks. But it'd be super cool in this shortened season if they took the opportunity to tour all the minor league baseball stadiums and play in those stadiums because the minor league baseball season got canceled. And there's going to be zero conflict of of uh, of schedule, and it'd be a great way to like showcase all the really cool minor league baseball parks. And uh, they won't again. I'm sure there's practical reasons as well, so I don't deride them for this. But that would have been really cool. One can hope that they do that in the future because this is going to be around forever. We'll never get solved, so we'll have plenty of time to work it all out. If, here, here's here's hoping. Um. I really don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? Uh, not that I wouldn't be able to say for next week for bold predictions. All right, cool. Yeah, let's hang on to that. It's it's going to be such a such a fun one. I cannot wait. Oh. Um, 
As a reminder, this week's films are uh, National Treasure, uh, uh, The Holy Mountain, and Platoon. So make sure you watch all three of those ahead of the Thursday Movies Edition podcast. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Thursday, y'all have a good Bye.